0: panelist. He is always giving us some great information. I learn every time I listen to this man. So I really encourage you to listen to him and to patronize him. Go and make sure that you uh, sign up for his services because he knows what he's uh, talking about. But this is Stephen J. Seidman, founding attorney of Seidman Law Office with over 30 years as an experienced trial lawyer, lawyer focused on personal injury. And today, he's going to give us a really great uh, grassroots look at some of the issues that have arisen. So for the 2021 updates on legal issues, it is an honor always uh, to have you on, Steve.
1: Thank thank you very much. Um, For some reason, it looks like I have a a bad uh, Internet connection that's unstable, like I am, I guess. And then um, (laughs) I'm getting an echo as well i I'm, I'm hearing you through the computer, uh, but in any event, thanks for having us. If uh, this gets really bad, i'll just switch off of the zoom and just go by phone. So I wanted to thank you um I have a couple last last time I was here about a month ago, I spoke rather quickly about a lot of different topics, and I wanted to start out with a couple today uh, that are i don't know how many of you saw sixteen minutes on on last Sunday. Um, but uh, there was a fascinating piece on racism in the military, and I thought we'd spend a few moments on that because legal perspective, it's very important, and obviously for, for many other pers- reasons, that's a very, very important issue to talk about. We've talked about sexual discrimination, but what we've seen in the military is institutional racism as bad as anywhere else. And I don't know if you saw this piece, but I'd like I took some notes. Uh, on it on Sunday because I was absolutely depressed about what I'd seen and and actually it started off with um, uh, General Austin and we've talked about General Austin uh, because he is now the first African American Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and um, he he uh, said some unbelievable things and throughout the course uh, he he had said every you know as you climb the ladder you still get doubts if you're a black person. Mm-hmm. Uh, There are always going to be people because of what you look like that will question your qualifications. And he talked about a couple of amazing things. One was that uh, even though he was a four-star general, when he used to give briefings at times, he used to have a white person, a Caucasian person, do his briefings for him because he thought that the people who would actually be listening to these briefings would give that white person more credence than him, an African-American individual. Um, and he, he just had said every time he climbed the ladder, um, he found uh, that there were issues. Um, he gave one uh, actual one time where he was in civilian clothes, and he was the four-star general. And somebody, uh, he said, I would go someplace with my staff. And we were wearing civilian clothes. Somebody would come out to meet the general. And I wasn't the guy they walked up to. So if there was, you know, General Austin and then there was a, a, a white guy, they would go up to the white person, mm-hmm. assume that he was the general and that General Austin was not the general. Um, and uh, we, we in that piece, they also talked about a fighter pilot, pilot who basically is now the first person, uh, since he, General G.Q. Brown, he rose from a fighter pilot to become the first African-American in history to head the Air Force and become a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Well, when after the incident um, occurred uh, with uh, George, George Floyd, um, General Brown went on Twitter and he, he YouTube, he, he got a video and he said, I am just tired. He said, the world I live in is an African-American. There's a world that I live in as an African-American and there's a world that I also live in as a minority inside the United States air force too. He's had these two worlds, you know, I mean, are just, uh, wrong. I mean, you know, there's, there are two worlds. He, he actually is being discriminated, has been discriminated in the air force just because he's been an African American, And we see this with the statistics and the statistics are that, uh, Two out of every five African-Americans do not trust their chain of command to address racism, bias, and unequal opportunities. Three out of five believe they do not receive the same benefit of the doubt as their white peers if they get in trouble. Uh, Actually, we found out that uh, that somebody who is African-American has a 57% greater chance of court-martial or discipline than a white guy. So that's one-and-a-half times greater, 50% more than a white would, a person would have it. Wow. And then they talked about how uh, fighter pilots, you know, uh, in and in, in how fighter pilots still only constitute 2%, African-Americans, 2% of fighter pilots. And that's exactly the same uh, percentage that was there Uh, that was there in the 1990s okay so tell me 1990s 2021 two percent and two percent african americans represent 17 percent of all the active duty troops in the military but only eight percent of the officers in the military you can't lie with these statistics you can't you can't uh, kind of uh, sugarcoat them so uh this is an issue uh and uh, I think it's, it's institutional racism that not only obviously pervades our, our society as a whole, but pervades uh, the military as well. And I'm sure a lot of our audience, the, those veterans who serve the country, um, probably have experienced this type of thing throughout the course of, of there. And, you know, quite frankly, doctor, I'd be curious as to your experience yeah. uh, in the military, and I don't know if you experienced the same thing or not.
0: Oh, that that happens uh, quite a bit. You know, you, you have people, you know, we get back to this thing with uh, Martin Luther King, uh, and I always love to get back to that particular viewpoint. It's, you know, we judge people by the content of their character. And I've had people who were white in the military that I got along with extremely well, and we actually did a lot of things together. Uh, actually, one of the generals that I was working with arranged for me to get the um, uh, you know the uh, Legion of Merit Medal from P- President Obama, you know because he said you know <laughs> we were together, so you know doing so many things and but then there were some other people, you know, where if I was in plain clothes, where they would say, you know, um, you know I, I remember being down in Texas, and it depends on the state too, I think, uh, that that uh, has a, some bearing on it. But I remember someone saying, uh, you know, I was sitting down with two other soldiers that were African-American, and they said, why don't you boys go over to the other table because we need to have a larger table. And he didn't realize at that point I was, at that point I was a, a major. And so, I, you know, I took my ID out, and he said, "Oh, I, I, we've never seen a, a, I mean, a black, uh, I mean, you know, a person, an officer down here like this." And I'm sorry, I didn't know. And I said, "That's fine. just go to the other table." <laughs> and but, but what it does to people is it, it really gives them, you know, we, we have these things about uh, stress and you know, high blood pressure and all that. That feeds into you know the the medical conditions that people have i think um and we don't pay pay enough attention to that uh the, you know there's studies on you know fire amb, you know fire engines and ambulances running through neighborhoods and what that does to people with as far as their stress level and uh physically how how it impacts them and that over the lifetime the course of a lifetime you know um you know i took a walk today it was like an 8 mile walk and uh th- there were some people who were walking by and some people just, you know, moved to the other side of the, the thing because I was walking with another African-American doctor. And so we were walking, and, uh, you know, and this in plain clothes. So I had my, uh, one of my military jackets on, uh, but you couldn't see it unless you looked at the back. And this one uh, white guy walked by me, and he said, thank you for your service. And he just kept walking. So, so I think that it's, it's, it really comes down to the content of people's character, their beliefs, and how they are going to interact with you. And we have got to get past that stage. We have got to get past this. Um, You know, I was was talking to one person once, and I said, you know, if you did Ancestry.com and saw all of the lineages that you have, uh, the question I would have for you after looking at that is, how much of yourself do you hate? What percentage of yourself do you hate (laughs) Uh, once you do that? (laughs) Because we all have different, you know, origins and, you know, uh, we all came from the same tree, <laughs> you know that yeah. uh, that God made. So we we really have to start thinking about that uh, in a, a long term. But I think it has devastating impacts on some people. Uh, they'll le- leave the military, or uh, they'll feel that there's no place here for them. Uh, so they feel dishonored. Um, it, it, you know, and it's 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 and after going through battle, you're in Iraq, you were in Afghanistan, you were in Vietnam, you were in World War II. Just to have that kind of uh, perception of you when you get back is just astounding when you were putting your life on the line.
1: (laughs) Well, and that's what's amazing. When we go through the statistics that I saw in 60 Minutes, and I wasn't going to even talk, I had other topics to talk about, but it it was shocking to me to see the statistics themselves because, you know what, everybody's life, it's all on the line with the military. So when you go into battle or you go defend your country, you have as great a risk as, as dying as, as the white man next to you. Yeah. So why is it that there's a 57 percent chance more that you're going to get in disciplinary trouble? Or why is it that you're not going to have a chance to become an officer with as, as much possibility as a white man? Or why is it uh, that, that there are 2 percent of all of the fighter pilots uh, who are African-American? And that, that's gone for 20, 30 years now. So I'm hope, I would hope that with General Austin and with General Brown, one leading the Air Force, one leading the Department of Defense, that we're going to see institutionally some changes. Not only with regard to racism, but I'm I'm hopeful that what Ms. Smith, Glenda Smith, the executive producers worked so hard. Sexual discrimination Mm -hmm. um, uh, has been a major problem. Sexual attacks on women. And um, uh, we, we hope we're going to see these changes in sea C-wave, but I don't know. I, I, I've been saying this since, you know, since I've been a kid. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It gets to be upsetting, but I'm hoping that we could see some institutional changes and um, that we can, as you said, judge ourselves by the character of, uh, who we are not by the color of our skin so yeah yeah you know um, and Stephen that, that's a yeah. really
0: good point because it, it, it actually abuts something that you are very intimately involved with and that's uh, you know uh, people who have their claims uh, through the military and I, I can tell you that there is discrimination um, because I'm a physician myself I have sat mm-hmm. and, and watched people be evaluated and I'm looking at them saying, you're really evaluating this person very differently than if I, if they were white <laughs> and, you yeah. know, sort of blowing off everything. And it's like, oh, you have a headache, so don't worry about it. You know, it's going to go away. And, you know, so and we know this happens in the medical field uh, with discrimination when uh, there was one doctor who had COVID who passed away in Indiana recently. And uh, she, she was a doctor, and they didn't realize that she was a physician. And they were just, you know, <laughs> not paying attention to her and not, you know. So th- I think that that is something, you know, in the disabilities claims arena. I think that there is probably a disparate impact. I would love to see the data on something like that, you know, how, um, you know, what percentage of claims get denied uh, for people who are of color versus people who are white. And I think there is a uh, discrepancy there.
1: Is there is there a mechanism, Doctor, that that somebody can, especially with all of the statistics that are being run now, because of the racism in the military? This gets to the same point with veterans. Yes. I mean, our audience. That's right. Is there a way? Do you think that uh, we can? I mean, I, I I must tell you, in the past, we were very proactive about the change of certain laws and and the sexual discrimination. We actually, is there a way we can contact our congressmen or senators and say? hey, we want some statistics to see how how disparate the treatment is between black individuals and white individuals in in a disability process. I think they should. We we
0: should. I think it should really push for that, and uh, and especially with General Austin uh, being in his position and saying the things he's said so far. And uh, you you have people in the ranks um, who are looking at that, but I think that that's something that people really, really need to look at because – Uh, You know, I I remember my father, he never had... You know any disability claims he went. He was a World War II veteran and he was on an incendiary team. So he used to tell me uh, stories. You know my parents got divorced when I was really young. He was a uh, a steel worker. You know working in steel mills and that kind of thing. And he would sit. I remember him sitting there. And and as a child, I didn't realize what he was going through. But he would put his head in his hands and he he would start telling me about a story. And he would say that these women and children would run out this building. And they would just set them on fire. And they didn't realize there were women and children until they got out in the streets. And uh, he said that that was part of what they were doing during World War II. And w- when he got back, it was uh, sort of looked over, you know, oh, you know, just get back to work and get, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, they didn't really have any recourse uh, back then. Um, and especially, you know, for African-Americans, it wasn't, you know, you know just don't, don't even show up, <laughs> you know, uh, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, so so I think that that is going on to a large degree, and that's why we have so many veterans on the street with mental health issues that aren't being addressed. Um, so I, I feel that the VA could be doing a heck of a lot of a better job, and and, and especially with the disabilities uh, uh, evaluations for people.
1: Well, to, to our audience, I would suggest, and, and I mean, it always starts with, with us. It starts with the, the people who make the effort to do something, we saw this with so many things we've talked about over the last couple of years, um, with uh, uh, with with the sexual discrimination, with the Ferris Act, which was that that act that prevented malpractice cases if you were a military person, with so many different things. Yeah, and I think that the, the, our our listeners have to get out there and make an effort to to get some information about the disability claims and and statistics. I'll certainly make some inquiries myself, mm-hmm. but. I think that that's a that's a very important thing to uh, to remember. Um, I briefly uh, wanted to just digress or talk about a couple of other things. I only have a few more minutes, but <laughs> a couple more minutes. <clears throat> but uh, this week there was a story just yesterday. Uh, you remember that uh, that uh, boat, that uh, kind of the duck that uh, went on the sea, and it, it the, the Marines. Uh, uh, Marines passed away, yeah. and that happened in, in July 2020. It killed eight Marines and a sailor. Uh, and just yesterday, they concluded that negligent installation, faulty parts, and breaches of protocol resulted in decades-old amphibious and salt vehicles filling with water, tipping over, sinking 385 feet beneath the ocean surface. Wow. Out of the 16 crewmen on board, only seven survived, Two officers were relieved of duty over the accident. And, quote, the reliefs marked the second time in a year that senior military Marine Corps officers have been punished for fatal accidents Inves, investigators determined could have been prevented. So um, we're, we're concluding with our time. Unfortunately, it went extremely yes. fast. Yeah. But yes, But the point is, <laughs> it, it's terrible because people are put at risk every day because of negligence of their officers. Sort of like what we experience in our in our practice of law, and what we do in our practice. So yeah, I'm going to speak to Glenda
0: because I think we need an hour with the, the topics you have because you are so. I mean, I'm serious. This this is critical information that our veterans need to be uh, looking at, and we need to be involved in that whole process. So I just wanted to say, legally speaking, with Steve, uh, we are so happy to have you every uh, every time we have you on. Uh, make sure that you call this man. And uh, just say your phone number only,
1: just real quickly. (laughs) 312-781-1977, a very good year, 1977. 1977, sounds like good wine.
0: (laughs) Okay, stay with us, stay with us. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit AmericasHG.org.